Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, we're going to continue in our series that's called Win the Day. And uh, this comes out of a book. Now, I told you last week, I'm not just going to sit up here and read the book for you, uh, because I think you're more than capable of reading this. Uh, also, there's more in here than I could ever get to in a 20 or 30 or even 40 minute or an hour long or two hours or three hour sermon. And so I thought you'd probably prefer we kept these to 30 minutes. And so at least at the, at the, at the, at the longest. So this book is available for sale out in the back. These are great principles that I believe emerge from Scripture. And Mark Batterson is a pastor in Washington, D.C. And I just think there was so much that I was going to borrow from this book in this series that we should just give him credit and, uh, and sell his book if, if you would like to know more or go a little bit deeper than what we can get to in a sermon Pick this up. You can also get it on Amazon, Kindle, all kinds of ways. But I think it's something that's very practical. And what we're challenging you or challenging you online to do is to invite somebody with you. How many of you on Monday mornings hear someone complain about the stress they're under? Oh, it's another week and I can't believe it. How many of you have that happen when you go into the office? You go, so, yeah. So that's your perfect opportunity to say, hey, my pastor's doing a series on this called Win the Day, these seven habits to help you stress less and accomplish more. Why don't you come with me? Or why don't we get together and we'll watch it online and have discussion? This is very simple. This is an easy way in for you to, to find a place for someone you know to belong here with us. And I believe they'll gain something that will help them in their everyday life. Last week, we looked at the first habit. Anybody remember the habit last week? Flip the scripts. A plus, Julie. Check mark right there. I'm getting ready for school. Today, we'll move into our second habit, and these build on one another. And so we want you to uh, hear this this morning, but let's turn first to Scripture. And so if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, go ahead and open those to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, and we're going to be uh, chapter 12, and we're going to begin at verse 1. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to read this in the message translation. I don't often do that, but this is a very difficult passage, Greek-wise and a few other ways. And I think that Eugene Peterson really captured the heart of what Paul was writing in this very personal letter to uh, this Corinthian church that he had had kind of a uh, a tussle with in some ways. And uh, so they had been writing letters back and forth. And we have a couple of those that we hear about. And this one is the second one. So I, I want us to hear this read today from the message. And it'll be on the screen in that version as well. This is Paul. You forced me to talk this way. And I do it against my better judgment. But now that we're at it, I may as well bring up the matter of visions and revelations that God gave me. For instance, I know a man. Now, I I know a guy, you know. It it just sounds like somebody, you know, from New York. I know a guy. Paul's actually talking about himself, but this is a beautiful thing that he does. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. I know a man 
who 14 years ago was seized by Christ and swept in ecstasy to the heights of heaven. I really don't know if this took place in the body or out of it. Only God knows. I also know that this man was hijacked into paradise. That means he didn't work himself into it. He didn't starve himself into it. He didn't do anything like that. He was just hijacked out of nowhere. He was taken into paradise. Again, whether in or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. There he heard the unspeakable spoken, but was forbidden to tell what he heard. This is the man I want to talk about, but about myself. I'm not saying another word apart from the humiliations. If I had a mind to brag a little, I could probably do it without looking ridiculous. I'd still be speaking plain truth all the way, but I'll spare you. I don't want anyone imagining me as anything other than the fool you'd encounter if you saw me on the street or heard me talk. Because of the extravagance of these revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think this was a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weaknesses. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. Hear this, hear this sentence. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitation in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. It's the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. What a crazy passage. It reminds me, though, of someone I want to introduce you to and someone that uh, Mark Batterson introduces us to, and that is Charles Spurgeon. You've probably heard that name a time or two. He's from a different era. He died in 1892. But when he was a young man, when he was just, I believe it was 25 or 27, he was appointed into his first pastorate in London, England. And this man was such a preacher, he actually wound up with the title, The Prince of Preachers. I think most preachers would love to have that title. The Prince of Preachers. And at one time, when he was very young and he had just had twins born into his life and he was appointed into this new parish and he was new in this and people were just coming to hear him preach. And in fact, one time he was preaching, the story tells us, that to about 10,000 people and more were trying to get in when all of a sudden someone yelled the word fire. And it caused such a panic And the problem was that the people who were trying to get out were being held back by those who were trying to get in. It was mass chaos. In fact, the balcony collapsed in the, in the, in the trauma. And there were seven people who died and many who were seriously injured. 
And of course, the papers, the newspapers were not kind, even in that day. (laughs) Many were beginning to place blame that Spurgeon should have said something or stopped people coming in or sent people away. And all of that stress led to quite a depression for this prince of preachers. In fact, we're told that the passage of Scripture that he preached on that night, he never preached on ever again. And in fact, he himself wrote that there were times in the next few years when simply looking at the Bible, he broke into tears over the trauma that seven people had lost their lives and some had been injured. I mean, we're talking, you know, pre-our Civil War. So there's the medicine you have. Broken legs don't just go into a cast for a few weeks. And yet, in the midst of this debilitating depression that he talked about and often wrote about, that he would just have these waves of, of tears, unknowing why they were there, just uncontrollable tears. And yet, in the midst of that, he continued to be the prince of preacher. He continued to be the pastor of the largest congregation, Christian congregation in the world in his day and age. On top of that, he wrote about 150 books and was in charge of 66 different charities around the world. Makes me wonder what he did on his day off. How does somebody with debilitating depression accomplish this much? Well, I believe it's summed up, and Pastor Mark grabs this out of a poem that he wrote, and I'm just going to read the last line. I couldn't find the whole thing, but he ends the poem by saying, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. What a line. I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. When those things come, when those storms happen, when I see the waves, it used to be my reaction was to paddle against, to go against, but now I realize where the wave is throwing me and I know it's a sure foundation. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. So how can we do this? How, how can we get to that place where we look at the storms of life, when we look at the wind and the waves that are blowing and, and thrashing us about, how can we look at that and learn to kiss that wave? How can we learn to trust that it is pushing us into the rock of ages? I think that Paul's Second Corinthians passage is going to help get us there. He starts because he's talking to a church that's very concerned with looks and how things appear. Much of the argument has been about these, what he calls, super apostles. Some say it was probably the, the apostle Apollos, who was a great, gifted preacher, the prince of preachers of his day. And Paul wasn't that. And, and so he begins to talk about how he's being looked down upon. And so he wants to talk about those visions and those things that he has seen. But it's brilliant how he says, but that's another guy. I know a guy. I know. It's, it's almost as if he knows. I could throw these out here. I could throw the accolades and be cool for you. 
I could have you look at me and think, oh, I wish I could be like the Apostle Paul. But he so does not want that to be what he is about. He does not want to put any trust in a false self, in a false image. So he even just says, I know a guy. But he goes on and says, but if you want to know me, I want you to know my weaknesses and my limitations. I don't want you to see anybody but the fool that you hear preaching. Something has happened where Paul can say, I have learned to kiss the wave of my own limitations because I know they're throwing me against the rock of ages. How do we do that? So how do you and I do this? Well, there are a few things that we can do. First of all, what we can do is we can acknowledge and accept life as it is. You may want to write these down. The first way that you learn to kiss the wave that's throwing you against the rock of ages is to acknowledge and accept life just as it is. Did I mention, by the way, that this is a really hard habit for us to hear? And so I want to start with a little bit of a disclaimer to this first part of learning this. Because our tendency is to then think, well, what about if somebody is like being trafficked? Or what if somebody is being abused or or what if something and, and in this day and age that are they just you're, you're honestly going to tell them that they just need to learn to acknowledge and accept it no that's not what we're talking about okay i want you to hear that online that's not what i'm talking about if there is a way for someone to get out of a, an abusive situation i believe our god is concerned about those who are suffering And we ought to be aware of that. And we ought to do our own. I hope you have. I know we've done these in the past where we're aware of uh, identifying where human trafficking is going on. We're not talking about those types of things. If you're in an abusive relationship, come and talk to me. I, I want to help you move into a healthier place. Okay? So you with me on that. When we're talking about acknowledging and accepting life as it is, we're not talking about abuse. We're not talking about uh, things that can be moved into healthier patterns. What we're talking about here is our limitations, our attitudes, the way we see ourselves. We're moving into those things and learning to kiss the wave that is throwing us against the rock of ages. The struggles that we have. So, we have this, we need to acknowledge and accept it. Can we move to the next slide there, Jackson? Paul acknowledges this by saying, I was given a thorn in the flesh. This is in the NIV. I'm switching back. If you have a Bible app, you're in luck. You can just switch it over. It says, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Now, you ought to see the way the scholars try and figure out what this thorn in the flesh is. I mean, there are all kinds of guesses, and that's all that they are, is guesses. One is that it's a physical thing, a physical thorn in the flesh, like literally a thorn in the flesh. All the way up to, well, you know, they think maybe the Apostle Paul was uh, nearsighted extremely and there were not glasses at the time so that when he would read or when he would preach what he had written he would do it like this so that he could hopefully see i just uh touched my ipad with my nose (laughs) and what what a silly thing that would look like and so 
some scholars think that that's it. I mean, they take this from a place in Galatians where Paul is like ripping the pen out of the hand of the writer. And he says, see what large hands I make with my own writing. And they think, oh, it's probably because he can't see. And so he's got to write big letters for emphasis. Some think it might be a stuttering problem. That it, that it might have been that physical thing that when he preached, he, he couldn't get words out and he would get stuck on words. And so when he proclaimed, and they kind of even take that out of this passage where I, I just don't want you to hear anything but the fool you hear preaching. That he was, had a physical limitation. Some scholars think it's the persecution that happens for him. That, uh, you know, it's no secret we see all through Acts and through all the letters that there was a group of people who were very concerned that Paul was preaching to non-Jews. And they they even kind of liked this Jesus. They thought he was the Jewish Messiah. But if you wanted to follow Jesus, you needed to become a Jew first and then you could follow Jesus. And they persecuted Paul. They had him driven out of cities. Uh, he endured hardship and beatings and all kinds of trauma. And so some think, well, maybe it's a, that kind of persecution that he's talking about, this thorn in the flesh, this group that follows him around. There are others who, who think maybe it was just something personal that we never talk about, that Paul never talked about. There was just some inner struggle that he had. I don't think it's bad that scholars are trying to figure out what it is, but let's not miss the beauty of the vagueness. Because it's so vague, because it's even a metaphor, a thorn in the flesh. How many of you have ever had a thorn in your flesh? It does not feel good. The beauty of the vagueness that Paul just says the thorn in the flesh, because that means that you can take your thorn and you can Put that in here and you can kind of get into the scripture that way by saying, yeah, I've got one of those. And maybe it's a personal thing. Maybe it's something that you struggle with that you just don't want anybody to find out about or you you don't uh, want anybody to know about and you certainly don't talk about. Maybe it is a persecution of some sort, whether it's that person in the office. Maybe it's the attitude of the person you live with. Whatever it may be. You can put that in there, a thorn in the flesh. Maybe it is something physically that you struggle with. Whatever it is, the beauty is you can put that right in there. And if you're going to learn to kiss the wave, then the goal is then to acknowledge. The first part is to acknowledge and accept that life is the way it is. You can never move through what you are not willing to acknowledge and accept. If there's any chance of healing, it always comes through acknowledging and accepting. I mean, some of you have experienced that even just in this, these last few weeks. We've talked about those who have been diagnosed with, with cancer here in our own congregation. And I've heard some of them say, as scared as they are of the big C word, there was some relief in knowing there was a diagnosis. That they knew what they were facing. They could acknowledge it. They could accept it. And now they could move in. And look at what it was that they needed for treatment. 
All healing begins. Learning to kiss the wave begins by acknowledging and accepting life as it is. Let's move to the next slide there, Jackson. I love how Mark Batterson reminds us, though, this is not about searching out and just reveling in what a rotten person you are or what your struggles are or beating yourself up for having those struggles. I, want, I love this line so much, I underlined it, and I want you to hear it today. Mark says, deriving pleasure from pain is masochism, not sanctification. Can I get an Amen. Kissing the wave is not obsessive-compulsive or passive-aggressive. Kissing the wave is simply acknowledging that it is what it is. You have to own what happened without letting it own your emotions. He will say, you may not be responsible for what happened to you in your life, but because of what God has done, you become response-able in how you respond to those situations. And you can begin to move into this pattern of acknowledging and admitting and accepting life as it is without letting it own your emotions. That should be good news. I hope it is. Let's move on to number two. We're going to see that not only do you need to acknowledge and admit, oh, I forgot, this is a beautiful thing, serenity prayer. This is a beautiful way that you can begin to move into acknowledging and accepting life as it is. How many of you have ever heard the serenity prayer? Okay, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've prayed it. I hope you have. It's beautiful. I want you to see the first line. It's the most popular line, and some people think it's the whole thing. Let's read it together, shall we? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's beautiful, but I... And and Mark lets us see that Reinhold Niebuhr, who wrote this prayer, actually wrote a longer version of it. And we've just taken that one part because it's probably easier to remember. Let's go on. I I want you to hear this read. We'll go right through this, Jackson. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Wow. That would be a good prayer to memorize. Google it. Put it on a three-by-five card. Put it on a mirror. Put it down in your dashboard so that you can begin to say this prayer because it teaches us how we hold that tension of acknowledging and accepting and then moving into kissing the wave, as we'll see here. Our uh, Our next one is that we move on to asking. We move on 
to ask. Once we've acknowledged that we have a thorn in the flesh and we accept that it is a part of our life and that something can happen, then we have the courage to begin to ask some questions. I think we see this when Paul says that we see that he was unafraid to ask for this to be removed. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, you and I think three times, well, big deal. I mean, that's like, I could do that standing right here, right now. Three times, it's a metaphor. Paul asked a lot about this being removed. But Jesus answered him. And I want you to see how he answered him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's a powerful verse. Now we hear that word, I don't know, I don't know if you're like me, but I hear that word sufficient. Now think about it this way. We kind of think of that as like, mm, just enough. Like if, if, if you ask somebody for a, uh, a review of a restaurant and they said, well, it was sufficient. Are you going to go to that restaurant? I mean, you're thinking like two stars maybe. Or it, it's, it just doesn't feel like it's a, a great word. And so... Of course, that that just piques my curiosity and I have to go find out what is that word in Greek because maybe it's more than just what we've translated into English. And it is the Greek word archeo. You want to say that with me, don't you? Ready? One, two, three. Archeo. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Archeo. And the word archeo actually means to be possessed of unfailing strength. Wow, that changed everything for me. Because Paul says that what Jesus said to him is, My grace is archeo. My grace is unfailing strength for you. That you need to hear that in the midst of your thorn in the flesh today. If you're acknowledged and you've accepted that life is the way it is, whatever your thorn is, and maybe you've been praying for years and maybe decades to say, God, take this from me. Did you need to hear that His grace is unfailing strength for you today? He goes on even further to say, My strength, that unfailing strength, it is made perfect. It is made whole. It is made complete. It's the Greek word telos. I'm not going to have you say it, but it is everything and anything that you need in that moment. It is made perfect. It is made whole. It is made complete in weaknesses. Wow. That changes a ton. And if that is true, which I believe it is. Then we can move into the second part that is hard for this because then we begin to ask. uh, Let's go back one slide, Jackson. We begin to ask the question then, what does this thorn in the flesh have to teach me today? This is where Pastor Mark takes it. So if I don't have to run from it, if I have unfailing strength, in God's grace, in my weakness, then I can dare to look at it in a different light. I can dare to say, what is this trying to teach me? How is this wave pushing me against Jesus, the rock of ages? And he goes on, he even says, don't, 
Don't waste the challenge that you have. Don't waste this question. Don't waste this challenge in your life. Your thorn in the flesh, whatever it is, it's a challenge and it is an opportunity for you to begin to learn. What am I being taught by that person in the office who drives me crazy? What is it teaching me about me? What is it teaching me about them? What is it teaching me about the world and that I live, that God has created and that, that we human beings inhabit? What is it teaching me about God? And what is it teaching me about His unfailing strength in weaknesses? There's a great opportunity. And learning to kiss the wave means we have to learn to ask the hard question, what is this teaching me? Church, I'm, I'm afraid that in some ways we've wasted the opportunity of what has happened with COVID in our struggle to rush back to the way it was. Did we ever stop to think we have unfail, unfailing strength available to us in the midst of a pandemic? I can give you examples. Did you know we, we paid off a mortgage in the midst of a pandemic? Do you, do you know that we actually have grown and, and extended an online campus in the midst of a pandemic? Did you know that we have given and we have maintained giving throughout the pandemic? That didn't happen because you're just nice people. That happened because we have unfailing strength available in His grace. And when everything was saying we should be falling flat on our face... I hope we've learned that whatever's coming, unfailing strength is present. And it is made perfect in my weakness, in your weakness. What question do you need to ask of yourself? Don't waste your challenge. Learn to kiss the wave that is throwing you into the rock of ages. Well, we've got to rush on. Let's move on to our next. The, the third and final one is that we have to, we're called to advance. If we have unfailing strength that is made perfect in weakness, then we're called to advance. I love how Paul goes on after this uh, in, in verse 10 in the message. I love the way the message translate, translates it. It says, once I heard this, once I heard that I have unfailing strength and that that strength is made perfect in weakness, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. Happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. This is what we call a paradox. It's two things that seem opposite that are joined together, and somehow the wrestling of the tension opens something deeper within us. Because Paul will go on to say and begin to understand this paradox very deeply. Because he'll say, When I'm weak, I'm strong. Because when I'm, I'm weak, that's where the unfailing strength comes in. So no matter how weak I get, the more it just means I get more strong. So why do I have to be afraid of that? I love what Pastor Mark writes, and one of my teachers used to say this to us all the time. The obstacle is not in the way. The obstacle is the way. If that weakness is where God's strength lies, then that's the way I need to go. I'm not praying for it to get out of the way. I'm praying that the strength I will find made perfect as I go through this obstacle. That's a different way. That is kissing the way. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. This is Tim Thomas. 
We shared a suite of rooms with a couple of other guys while I was in university at Trevecca Nazarene University. Tim is the pastor of Freedom Church in Milledgeville, Georgia. And Tim, I believe, embodies these three kissing the wave things. You see, Tim felt a passionate call to become a preacher. He was radically saved out of, out of a life of drugs and alcohol and just, he would say, wasting my life. Tim's a country boy. And he was radically saved and felt called to preach. The problem is, is he had this thorn in his flesh and it's called stuttering. And Tim stutters a lot. Like, you can't get through even a normal conversation with him without him getting stuck on a word. And he had a long wrestling with God. I believe it was probably more than three times that he asked God to take away this thorn in the flesh and take away or take away this call to preach. But God never did. And I believe that Tim came to rest in my unfailing, my grace is unfailing strength for you. And today, if you go online, you can go online. You doubt me. Go online to their website. You can watch one of his sermons. I have never seen a guy able to use weakness as strength like preaching ever before. He gets to go in. And sometimes God just sets his tongue loose and he preaches like, like there's no stutter whatsoever. But even when he does get stuck on a word, he's learned to kiss the wave that is throwing him against the rock of ages. And as soon as he's stuck for just a little bit, he pauses and he can spell it without stuttering. Whatever word he's trying to say. So he might get stuck on, on Christ. And, and so, you know, he'll, he'll stutter a little bit and it kind of gets everybody in the crowd's attention. And then he finally says C-H-R-I-S-T. And everybody knows that you just say it together, Christ, and then he moves on. And it's brilliant. Because if you had checked out for whatever reason, when you want to help Pastor Tim, and then you get on the line, then guess what? You're back in the message. And that community and that church is seeing people saved and moving and learning to kiss the wave in their life by acknowledging and accepting life as it is. By, by learning to ask the tough question that if God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses, then what opportunity do I have to grow in the midst of this struggle? They begin to wrestle with this question that sometimes God delivers us from suffering, but more often God delivers us through suffering. But His grace is un failing strength for you and his strength is made perfect when you're weak i know it's hard for us and i'm particularly looking around at us men in the congregation today not that it isn't easy for women but we all want to be seen as strong So this one's really hard. I'll tell you, I wrestled with this passage with God a lot. Until he reminded me, don't you have a couple of those thorns? Oh yeah. Has my grace not been sufficient? Yes. Men, 
You want to see the world change. Let go of the false image. Let go of some guy I know. And live into the reality of who God has created you, knowing that whatever challenge, whatever wave, whatever storm you are facing, it can only blow you or knock you into the rock of ages, whose grace is unfailing strength and whose strength is made perfect in your weakness. And when you show your weakness, then you are strong. This is our call. So what wave do you need to kiss? Person online, what wave do you need to kiss? Maybe it's simply just the acknowledging and the accepting. You've been running from that thorn. You've been running from that thing all your life. Maybe today is the day you finally stop and acknowledge and accept that life is, that I have this struggle, that this is a problem, that this Drives me crazy, whatever it is. Are you willing to dare to trust that His grace is unfailing strength in that situation? Are you bold enough to rest in that and ask, what then is this trying to teach me? If I keep coming around to this and keep coming around to this and keep coming around to this, what is it trying to teach me? Are you ready to advance? Not in your strength, but in His. Leading with a limp, as one author would put it. It's where we are called. Are you ready to be like Pastor Tim and see what God does with your weakness, in your weakness? Let's pray. Father, this habit is hard. Because we're taught from the moment we enter this world. Show your strength. Be strong. And in many ways, whether it's outright said or said through behaviors, don't show weakness. And yet this apostle... This Paul who's responsible for writing like two-thirds of the New Testament changed the world by saying, I know the Jesus who didn't come strong. He came weak. He came in humility. He served others. Died on a cross but trusted you even in his death. And out of that, your grace was unfailing strength and resurrected him to new life. And so if that's my model and my example, if he's my influence, then I've I've got to know what my weaknesses are. I've got to acknowledge and accept them. I've got to be able to ask your strength is made perfect here, then what are you trying to teach me? And then I've got to advance that grace in my weakness. What are you calling me to say? What are you calling me to show? What are you calling me to do? God, 
deliver us from living in our false self. Help us to live by kissing the waves that are knocking us into the rock of ages. We pray and we ask these things in His name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to take just a minute. I know we're right up on time, but I want you to take one minute. And if you can just begin that first step of taking a moment before God to acknowledge and accept the life that you have, the thorn that you have. Whatever that is, get that in the mental picture in front of it. You can do this online too. And I want you to envision that Jesus is smiling right at you and saying to you, My grace is unfailing strength for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Thank you, Jesus. Continue to help us as we look at these habits. Build them into us set us free free to move in your grace through the obstacle letting it teach us and letting you strengthen us for every journey we pray this in the name of the father who is for us in the name of the son who is with us in the name of the spirit who is in us one god forever Would you stand and receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and my sisters, my friends, those of you who are joining us online, may you learn to kiss the wave, for it is pushing you into the rock of ages. May you start by daring to acknowledge and accept life. May you find the joy of hearing our Lord and Savior say to you that His grace is unfailing strength for you. And that strength is made perfect in your weakness. May that supercharge you and challenge you to then push through the obstacle with His strength to not worry about your weakness. But to enjoy the gift of His grace. And may you find that when you're weak, paradox. That's when you're strong. Pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Go in his name. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. 
please fill out a Connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.